Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome back to the podcast. It is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. I'm Mark Daly, I'm your host. And guys, we are back to racing this weekend, three hours away from FP1 at the, the Spanish Grand Prix is the time I sit down to record this show, so just around the corner, and it looks like it's going to be a warm one on Saturday afternoon when it comes to uh, race time. It's uh, looking to be about uh, 30 degrees uh, centigrade or 86 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, and if uh, that translates into higher track temperatures, I believe that it was about uh, 43, 44 degrees Celsius on the track at Silverstone last week, which is about 109 and a half degrees Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit caused a lot of uh, mayhem uh, for the Mercedes boys and the tire problems uh, that they had uh, last weekend. Uh, but it certainly made it for an exciting race, uh, made it uh, a little bit uh, different. And it also showed that uh, Mercedes are not invincible and they are indeed human. And from time to time, they do uh, struggle with things. And I thought that uh, it made for quite a fascinating uh, race. And uh, I was just absolutely shocked by the the amount of tire wear and the blister that uh, that they had with the W11 uh, e- even after uh, going to change tires and, and going back onto the hard compound uh, tires which were obviously the ones uh, to use on race day but wow I mean you, you compare them to some of the tires that are coming off of some some of the other cars I mean like uh, Max Verstappen I mean by the time he was at the end of his stint I mean his tires they were worn but they looked pretty good uh, no issues with the Red Bull I, I think Charles Leclerc also had looked uh, pretty good with the with his tire wear so it uh, really threw uh, a wrench uh, into the work but we're, we're going to get into that uh, there's a lot of things uh, to talk uh, talk about uh, this week didn't get a chance to, to do a, a post-race uh, show this week so uh, in case you missed it and I don't uh, think uh, many people have at this point but let's just run down the top 10 from the 70th anniversary Grand Prix at Silverstone last weekend Max Verstappen winning it uh, for Red Bull the first uh, car and first team other than a Mercedes to win this year besides uh, Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas so that was uh, interesting good to see and beating Lewis Hamilton by 11.3 seconds. Valtteri Bottas rounded out the podium uh, quite a distance uh, back. Charles Leclerc, fourth in the Ferrari, which was uh, another nothing uh, weekend for them. Uh, fifth was uh, Alexander Albon. Sixth, Lance Stroll in the racing point. And then seventh, uh, Nico Hulkenberg in the second racing point, filling in again uh, for Sergio Perez, who was out again last week uh, after he had uh, another positive COVID-19 test. Esteban Alcon in eighth place for Renault. Lando Norris, ninth for McLaren. Aaron, and then Danny Kvyat, the, the torpedo, rounding out to the top 10 in the Alpha Tauri. So going over to the uh, the driver's standings, Lewis Hamilton still leading the way with 107 points, only 30 points ahead of uh, Max Verstappen, 77 uh, points uh, for the Dutchman. Valtteri Bottas, after having a couple of rough weeks in Hungary and at the British Grand Prix, has now dropped down to third in the standings with the 73. Charles Leclerc in the Ferrari 
45 and Lando Norris in McLaren, the, the McLaren driver still sitting in fifth place in the driver's championship with 38 points on the constructors side, Mercedes still leading the way with 180 points, Red Bull 113, Ferrari 55, a long ways back. They're only two points away, uh, two points ahead, I should say, of uh, McLaren Renault uh, with 53 and then Racing Point rounding up the top 10 with 41 points. So there you go. And uh, again, like I say, we're back to racing this uh, weekend at Barcelona. Really looking forward to it. Of course, uh, if you've been listening to this show for any amount of time, you know that uh, that is one of the tracks that I've been to. So that uh, has a certain amount of sentimental and nostalgic value. And it's going to be interesting too, because I mean, obviously it's going to be uh, quite warm uh, on race day. And I mean, it, it's obviously out of its uh, traditional time slot. I mean, it's uh, basically pushed back three months from where we usually see it, which is uh, roughly about the, uh, the the middle of May, which is uh, uh, the, the the time that uh, that we saw it when we were there way back in uh, in 2014. So the, it it will be interesting to see how these uh, these hotter temperatures are going to affect uh, the, the, the the cars. And you know, despite all the turmoil and everything, all the issues that we've had with the pandemic going around uh, the the world over the past uh, several months, you know, I mean, at least uh, when, when it comes to Formula One and the amazing job that they've done to reschedule a lot of these races that were postponed and looked like they were going to be canceled. That getting them back onto the, the 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 calendar for this year, I think, is absolutely amazing, and uh, especially when it comes to like Silverstone, and uh, well, I mean, Silverstone is more or less in the time frame that uh, that we usually see it, only by a by a couple of weeks uh, difference, so not really too much. But it's 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 really going to be interesting to see how it's going to make a difference uh, for uh, for a track like uh, Barcelona that we usually see a couple of months uh, earlier. So it should be uh, fun to watch. So. Well, there are still plenty of things to break down in this uh, race, and uh, we'll start off right now that uh, with uh, Total Wolf, the team principal for uh, Mercedes, is saying that he believes that uh, that Lewis Hamilton and, and uh, Valtteri Bottas, his two drivers, are now in a title fight with uh, Red Bull's Max Verstappen. But honestly, for me, it's it's going to take a couple of more races like we had at, at Silverstone last weekend, a couple of more wins uh, for Max. I mean, okay, he's 30 points uh, behind Lewis, which uh, which is where uh, Valtteri Bottas was uh, a week ago after the British Grand Prix. Still, I mean, that, that it's still race and then, and then a little bit uh, left over that Lewis uh, still has in his pocket. I mean, it, there's still a long way to go in the season uh, as it stands right now. I mean, we're still, we still don't know the exact amount, um, uh, you know, the end total of races we're going to have. But I mean, we're only about three, four, five races into it at the, at the moment. So it's early days yet. And Lewis has certainly built up a very nice uh, little gap, a nice little buffer in the championship at, at the moment. I mean, he can afford to take um, you know, or, or lose a little bit uh, of, of points at at this stage in the season um, to, to Max uh, Verstappen. And honestly, I'd love to see Max uh, come on. I'd love to see somebody else uh, challenge uh, Mercedes because they've had it. I, I don't want to say easy because there's nothing easy about uh, Formula One. Let's just say that they have not been challenged or pushed as much as we've seen perhaps in the past uh, couple of years. Not so much uh, 2019, obviously. I mean, they really walked it in the first uh, half of the season. It, it wasn't until later in the year into the second half of the year where we saw more of a challenge more of a push uh, from from the other teams uh, you know Red Bull and Ferrari managed to win some some races later in the year however you know it, it's it, it like i say it's a, it's a long way to go <clears throat> and lewis he certainly has uh, things in his advantage uh, right now and as as much as i'd love to see somebody push him it's 
it it has to be repeatable and that that's why i'm saying that's why i like to see them going to these uh, tracks that are a little bit uh, different uh, you know to, to where it usually is in the schedule we're going to see how the, the the conditions affect them and certainly we we haven't seen anybody regularly push uh, mercedes uh, going back to say 2018 when ferrari was much stronger than the, they they have been for the uh, the past season and, and and so far in 2020 and if that can be Max Verstappen and Red Bull, I think that would be great. It's very much a one-man show at Red Bull at the moment. Uh, I was going to say Pierre Gasly, pardon me, uh, I'm sort of sliding back a year in time here. But uh, Alex Albon, for me, the, the, the jury is out uh, on Alex a, a, at the moment. So, I mean, the challenge is going to come from, from Max. Uh, and, and obviously, that's going to be uh, the, the, the way it is. I mean, Max has been a rock star ever since uh, he got to, to, to Red Bull. I mean, he was very impressive uh, when he was uh, with uh, Tara Rosso. But certainly, once he moved up to, to the big team, won his first uh, race at uh, at Barcelona in uh, in 2016. I mean, Max has never really looked back. Okay, I mean, he hasn't racked up the the, the same impressive amount of wins as uh, as Lewis Hamilton has in that time. But still, I mean, he is a bona fide um, and legit uh, contender in Formula One. And if this upset topsy-turvy Formula One schedule and uh, summer weather and hot conditions uh, throw a, a wrench in the work uh, for Mercedes, uh, pun intended, and that is to the advantage of uh, Max, and I think it's going to make the the, the, the championship uh, very interesting. And, and I think we were talking about it on the show here a couple of weeks ago when uh, looking at the schedule that we're going to go to the Nürburgring in October, I believe, what is it, the third, fourth week in October, usually at that time of year, we're heading off to to Austin, Texas, for the the, the U.S. Grand Prix at the Circuit of the Americas. Then it's uh, it's Mexico City after that. So to go to Germany at the the end of October, which uh, Sebastian Vettel was uh, saying is a pretty much uh, you know a very cold uh, time of year there. That that uh, again, those conditions I think are going to make it uh, very very difficult. I mean, uh, you know, the the fall, the autumn weather there in the Eiffel Mountains is is going to make it uh, challenging. And it could be very rainy. So who knows? It, it really is going to be uh, fascinating. So I, I think to, to sum up this point, I think that uh, that Lewis, I think Mercedes have done very well over the, the first four or five races of, of the season. Uh, it, it hasn't been completely um, easy for them in a couple of situations, but uh, they, they've built up a little bit of comfort, obviously in, in the constructors and the drivers uh, championship. But now as we, we get into the part of the schedule, that's a little bit more more patchwork. We're, we're going to go to Belgium and we're going to go to, to to Monza. They're pretty much exactly where we see them each and every year. So who knows? Um, I, I mean, we could get some hot weather there that might uh, mess things up uh, for, for Mercedes. Maybe not. But I think after that, where we see these um, races, especially at tracks we've never been to before, or we see tracks that uh, that are out of their traditional time slot, how that might uh, create uh, you know, an unknown factor, maybe might uh, mess things up again. But uh, certainly as much as I'd like to see Max uh, become a contender, I still think uh, that it's going to take a couple of more races, going to be a couple more wins. He's going to have to close that gap to Lewis in the in the championship uh, to to really solidify that uh, that that claim. But I mean, the fact that uh, that that Toto's uh, you know, in fact uh, acknowledging that and saying that means that they're looking over their shoulders that they know that they've got some issues, and I think it's good. I mean, I I do not doubt that Total Wolf and the entirety of the Mercedes AMG Patronus F1 team are up for the challenge. 
we've seen it over the years that every time that they've had some adversity that uh, that things haven't gone their way they've doubled down they've worked hard and they've always uh, dug themselves out of a out of a hole and frighteningly en- enough for everybody else in F1 that whenever they go through these struggles they usually come back stronger so it's kind of one of those situations in my mind that you know be careful what uh, what you live or you you wish for and he says sticking with the Mercedes uh, total was uh, saying that uh, that uh, the information uh, that he got from uh, Valtteri Bottas's tires actually um, uh, it encouraged the team to let uh, Lewis uh, run a long middle stint at the the 70th anniversary Grand Prix last uh, year uh, sorry last year last weekend and it was uh, certainly very uh, interesting um, just uh, the, the the different strategies that, that that they had and after the the, the race was over Bottas uh, was saying that uh, he felt that uh, the, the team was uh, caught napping and uh, Toto, uh, he just basically shot that one out of the water and he said, quote, I just spoke to Valtteri. I don't think we were sli- uh, sleeping, but I expect his, uh, I accept his perspective. I think we just had the slower car today and we just admit that. His point was that we should have done the opposite to, to Max. As a matter of fact, this wouldn't have changed anything because Max would have come out with a fresh tire and we would have continued with a tire that wasn't in the best state anymore and he just pitted in front of of us so not sure what we could have done better obviously he's not uh, in a happy place uh, that he was with p2 and lewis and was p3 but it was a learning that happened on the track when we got valtteri's tire in and we saw that there was actually a lot of rubber left and we extended lewis's stint albeit that there were big vibrations but a lot of rubber therefore he was getting quicker and quicker but the more the rubber went down and that is why we could extend the stint and eventually lewis overtook uh, valtteri it's clear he's not happy i totally respect that none of us are happy today with the results end quote yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, uh, the, you have to be careful with the Mercedes, like I was saying just now. And every time that they have adversity and they're not happy about something, they usually come back uh, stronger. But, I mean, we've seen not just this year, but um, it, it's been a repeatable pattern. We, we've seen over the past uh, couple of years in certain races, especially when the conditions uh, get hotter, that uh, they, they have struggled from, from time to time. And it has been a, a, an issue for them. Anyways, uh, moving over to Red Bull now, Christian Horner, team principal there, said that uh, Max had to um, buy into the hard tire gamble at the uh, at the, at the 70th uh, um, anniversary Grand Prix. Uh, Christian had to say, quote, obviously he had to buy into it, so we had to run the simulations, we had to come up with the risk and the reward, and we felt that if it was, uh, it was just the same as Mercedes following last week's performance, we'd end up with the same result. So at least uh, by running the hard, the theory was that uh, there was a safety car later in the race. We'd potentially have a grip advantage at the back end of the race but as it turned out we actually had a pace advantage through the race there's more risk because uh, if there's a safety car at certain times then you could come up with in a, a spot of bother with bother with but there's no crystal ball it worked well and it was a gamble worth taking and it paid off today but we just simply had the pace which gave us that length of stint and the pace advantage over the mercedes end quote yeah, I think it was very interesting, especially how quick they were and um, just how good the Red Bull was on the tires uh, compared to uh, Mercedes. I mean, it really was a, a world of difference uh, between them. And uh, it really was uh, interesting because I think that uh, compared to the British Grand Prix a week before, same track, same cars, fairly similar conditions. Okay, I mean, it was pretty hot last weekend, but a very, very different result. Anyways, uh, time for a break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive 
eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, well, welcome back to the show here on the Overtime Media Network. Sticking with the fallout from last weekend's uh, Grand Prix, the 70th anniversary Grand Prix at uh, Silverstone, uh, Mercedes said uh, that they would be foolish if they were uh, not to expect a, a repeat of the, the, the problems that they've had uh, with the, the, the tires. And, uh, of course, uh, that was uh, it was the big issue at, uh, at last weekend's uh, race. Uh, anyways, uh, Trackside Engineering Director Andrew Shovlin uh, said that they could not actually re- uh, rule out a repeat of the, the, the blistering problem in Spain. And like I, I said off the top of the show, it's going to be pretty hot there on the weekend. And uh, hot uh, temperatures mean that the t- track temperature is going to be absolutely scorching. Anyways, uh, Shovelin had to say, quote, I think we'd be foolish to say that we're not going to see this problem again and we're not going to see it in Spain. We need to be looking at solutions. And if we can make good progress this week to try and understand exactly the nature of our problem, then that's why we are so much worse than the others. Then I'd like to think that we can get on top of it for Spain. But there's no doubt Spain is going to be tough. Spa after Spain, that's another high-energy uh, circuit where you can get uh, blistering. Our focus in terms of uh, performance is all about uh, we can get the, the tires cooler, how we can avoid the problem. Hopefully we won't see it again, but I think Spain will be a good test of whether we have made the progress that we need to, end quote. So... There you go, right uh, from the, uh, the 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 mouth, uh, the, the lips of uh, Mercedes themselves. They acknowledge the the, the, the problem, and uh, you know that's that been echoed basically by everybody that uh, I've heard, uh, you know, from the Mercedes team speaking in the media over the past uh, several days. And uh, sounds like there's no quick fix for it. So it, it uh, is going to be something we're going to have to keep an eye on this weekend and, and see if it affects them adversely again. <laughs> At the race uh, at uh, at the Spanish Grand Prix or not, uh, but uh, if they if they don't, then it's going to be fun to watch because uh, we we know Max is uh, good at uh, the Spanish Grand Prix, and I mean he finished there. What's well, he finished ahead of the Ferraris last year. I don't exactly have the uh, recall exactly uh, where where he was. I think he was, he was on the podium at least. I got to pull up the notes here. Anyways, uh, but um, it, it could really throw a, a wrench into the works again uh, for, for Mercedes, so it, it could make it fun. Anyways, uh, Formula One, they've decided to cut uh, downforce in 2021 uh, after the, the, the problems that we've seen at uh, Silverstone over, over the past uh, couple of weeks. And uh, this is uh, you know, directly because of the issues that we saw at the, the British Grand Prix two weeks ago, where Lewis Hamilton, uh, Valtteri Bottas, and Carlos Sainz had uh, huge, massive uh, punctures and blowouts in the last couple of laps of the uh, of the race. So teams are going to have to make a, a lot more. Uh, you know, they're going to have to make bigger changes to their other to to their aero packages than they were actually expecting uh, for for next year. And uh, they're going to actually and and because of that, that 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 means that they're going to have to put a lot more of their resources into the, the into the 2021 cars that they were actually uh, pr- you know planning for so 
that that is interesting. I mean, it really has become a, a big thing. So uh, the teams were actually informed of this plan by uh, a letter that was sent out by FAA Secret- Secretary General for Motorsport, Peter Beyer, and uh, said uh, that they're the, also in the same thing, that they're going to have a clampdown of uh, the qualifying engine modes uh, starting at the Belgian Grand Prix, and we're going to get into that. But anyways, uh, sticking with the uh, reduced uh, downforce, um, I, I'm just going to just uh, quote a little bit from the, the letter and it's a quote, we are grateful for the support we have uh, received uh, as a sport from Pirelli and note that we have asked uh, them to continue providing the same specification of tires for a third consecutive season. We consider that uh, recent events have highlighted that previously agreed aerodynamic changes are insufficient and hence we intend to introduce some further downforce reduction measures as permitted by Article 2.2 of the 2021 Technical Regulations. These regulatory uh, changes will be discussed with the teams and will require World Motorsport Council approval on safety grounds, end quote. Well, yeah, obviously it is a, a safety issue. Uh, fortunately, none of those guys uh, were, were put in a dangerous uh, situation, but you never know. It, it could happen. And certainly, uh, the, I mean, they, they weren't just uh, slow punctures. They were they were all big ones, and uh, they all virtually uh, happened at the same time. I mean... Obviously, uh, a lot of it has to do with the the, the teams pushing the tires to the the, the absolute uh, limit and and beyond the uh, you know the the predicted lifespan of those tires in terms of uh, lap uh, you know the, the the number of laps that the, they could be run on. So, I mean, it. it I think there's a. <clears throat> At least from my point of view, I think that you know there, there's a little bit uh, there, there's w- more than one uh, party that in, involved there. I mean, obviously uh, the, the the tires themselves have some issues, and then the teams uh, pushing them uh, beyond the absolute uh, you know uh, limits. So you know it, it is interesting if you kind of go back to a couple of months ago with all the uncertainty that uh, we had. What with the the, the shutdown of the entire world, not just uh, Formula One, and the, the the panic and the the you know the the extreme urgency to get these uh, cost cutting measures in place and the cost cap and everything all sorted out in, in record uh, pace to to try and keep the uh, the you know the you know the the amount of expenditure down for 2021 and 2022 because these guys have lost a lot of money by not uh, racing for uh, for the first uh, three months of the year. But, uh, you know, here we go um, that, uh, you know, they're going to have to put more design work into it and they're going to have to do uh, make changes anyways. But when it's done in the safe, uh, name of uh, safety, then it's being done, in my opinion, for the, for, for the right reasons. The, the, the utmost uh, focus has to be on safety, especially for the, for the people that, out, uh, that are out there in the cars, for the guys that are out there driving each and every race, practice session, testing session, whatever. And uh, I, I think that uh, that, that is uh, the, the, the most uh, important thing. Anyway, so let's talk about Sebastian Vettel. And this is something we're going to stick with uh, for, for quite a, a while. I mean, um, the poor old Seb, four-time world champion, had, I think, a pretty decent shot to, to knock uh, Lewis Hamilton off his, uh, you know, his pedestal in, uh, in 2018. I mean, they, they were really going at it there. I mean, Seb faded after the summer break, uh, despite winning in Spa that year. And then um, a- after that... You know, it uh, he just uh, couldn't keep up uh, with, with Lewis, and he started to have some issues, and you know, some of the the, the famous Sebastian Vettel incidents uh, and clashes that he's have uh, had with other drivers started in that latter part of the season, but. 
he was in a much better place then than he is now. And uh, another time, another uh, weekend that uh, Seb uh, will probably want to uh, for, forget about. I mean, another dismal uh, start. I mean, uh, and uh, just uh, finish spinning on the opening lap. It was just a really, really uh, difficult uh, for him. And, you know, I mean, now if he can finish in the points on uh, any uh, given race day is probably the best he can hope for. I mean, podiums seem like a real stretch and, you know, winning races, forget about it. I mean, uh, Charles uh, seems to be doing a little bit better. And I know there's a lot of uh, speculation out there that uh, that there's uh, some sort of tension and animosity between uh, Ferrari and Seb, who, of course, is going to be leaving at the end of the year. And, uh, I mean, for the conspiratorially minded, then of course, um, you know, there's a lot of fuel to look at, uh, that, uh, you know, or, or case to be made there. But I, I think when, when it comes down to it, it's just, he's hit a real rough patch in his career and, uh, he's in, in you know, basically hit uh, rock bottom. And it, it's really interesting too. Like, I, I don't know what it is, but uh, it's just a real gut feeling on my part. I don't know anything uh, to the contrary, but I really feel that uh, that, that we're seeing the last of uh, Sebastian Vettel in Formula One. I mean, a, a lot of the options uh, that that uh, that uh, that were available to for for him to 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 go for in terms of a race seat for 2021, they all seem to be uh, disappearing slowly but uh, surely. Right? Uh, the, one of the ones that uh, that uh, was out there just uh, most recently was a possible move to Racing Point who are going to become Aston Martin next year and you can see the, the, the case for that I mean Lance Stroll his dad is the guy that's the, the head of the consortium that uh, that bought uh, Force India a couple of years ago, renamed it Racing Point, but the whole Aston Martin thing together has also invested mega bucks into the, uh, into the parent company so I think as long as Lance is going out there, I mean, he had a decent race. I mean, he's had a decent season so far in 2020. And um, as long as I think he can keep uh, uh, scoring points, he can really make a, an argument, uh, you know, regardless if he's the son of the boss or not, whether or not uh, Lance Stroll shouldn't be in that team. Anyways, Sergio Perez said a couple of weeks ago that uh, should Sebastian Vettel go there, it would be obvious who he would uh, replace. And I think that uh, that that is obvious. But... You know, to 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 use that word uh, or overuse it, uh, probably more than we should. But still, I don't know. Uh, I, I I'm just not feeling it, guys. I I just can't see it happening, and I I don't have, like I say, I don't have any uh, information to to the contrary, but. I just feel that, uh, that 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 at best maybe he sits out a year, and I'm leaning towards more now that I think that uh, we're, we're seeing Sebastian Vettel in his final days in, in Formula One, which would be sad. I mean, let, let's face it: if uh, my hunch is correct and he decides to hang up his racing gloves and helmet uh, at the end of the year and and call it a career, I mean, it, it would be a real disappointing finish to a, a career that started so promising. And I mean, he's had some good times at uh, at, at Ferrari, and I. I mean, he was, I, I think, the, the one guy that uh, that really gave the Tafosi some hope in the past uh, several years. And um, obviously, I think when it comes to the partnership that he had uh, with Kimi Raikkonen, Kimi was never going to push him. I mean, Kimi had, uh, I mean, he won in Austin a couple of years ago at the U.S. Grand Prix. But the thing was where Kimi was in his career and, and where Seb was, or you know, maybe even you know, take age out from it, uh, you know, just to put those two guys in the same car. 
that Sebastian was just that little bit uh, quicker than, uh, than, than than Kimmy was. But now you have the the, the situation where Kimmy Raikkonen is no longer there, and Sebastian is partnered up against the next big thing in in Formula One or one of them in uh, in uh, in the in the shape of uh, Charles Leclerc. And I mean, Charles is a rock star. I mean, he's this uh, another one of these uh, young generation of drivers uh, like Max Verstappen, Lando Norris. I'm really liking. Uh, you know, the, these are the next guys that uh, the, the next generation of guys that are, are going to be the, the the focus of Formula One. They're going to be the, the the stars of the sport when guys like uh, Kimi go, the guys like Sebastian go, and and Lewis. I mean, face it. I mean, uh, they're all getting up there. In, in in sports terms, uh, obviously Lewis, I think, is a little bit older than uh, than Seb Kimi. This is his last year. But uh, the the thing is, when you get uh, Sebastian and Charles in the same car, Leclerc is just that much better. And and I think another thing to Charles's benefit uh, that that we've seen, and this even goes back to his time with Sauber Alfa Romeo two years ago in his rookie season when he was partnered with uh, with Marcus Ericsson, is that Charles is able to get more out of a car that maybe might not be the best car out there. And I th- I think I really have a feeling, a suspicion that Seb has struggled with the car, not just this year, but last year as well. It uh, it, it just does not handle it. It just, uh, I don't think he's comfortable driving that car. I don't think it's, uh, it's the car that really suits him. And, uh, and, you know, and, and that's part of it. Uh, anyways, uh, just going back to, uh, you know, Seb, uh, talking about, uh, you know, some of his struggles, he spoke uh, to Sky Italia after, uh, qualifying at, uh, Silverstone last weekend. And he had to say, quote, we tried a lot of things. I have to compliment my team on the work that they've done this weekend. I feel a bit better in the car than I did last weekend, but looking at the stopwatch, you can't see the difference. I feel like I'm going up against a wall. I don't think there's any more potential in my car being 12th, a disappointing and having the gap to Charles is also, but as I said, I'm doing everything I can and I don't think the car is going to do more than it did today, end quote. Uh, Seb also had to, um, uh, went on to, to say a couple other things. He, he wasn't trying to find anything to make excuses about. Uh, he just had to say, quote, we are in the same position compared to last week. Nothing has changed. Everyone is pushing and giving their all, but it seems like there is something we just can't change. If I'm honest, we're in this position because we're not fast enough. Uh, we have been uh, clearly beaten by those in front of us. It's not a question of bad luck or anything. Tomorrow will be difficult to bring home points, but we'll try to do our best. We will see what we can do. End quote. You know, very uh, defeatist, but I think a realistic uh, Sebastian, uh, you know, uh, opinion and quotes from uh, Sebastian Vettel. But he's also downplayed, uh, the, you know, the speculation outside of a Ferrari that uh, the tension between himself and the team is growing after the issues that, uh, that he had uh, all weekend long at Silverstone. And, uh, you know, he's just, uh, you know, I mean, he's not in a good uh, place. I mean, he actually told the team, uh, you know, over race radio during the, uh, the, the, the Grand Prix that, uh, they'd messed up, uh, you know, the, you know, his race strategy. And, uh, he, he said, went on to say that, uh, the decisions that the team made, uh, made no sense. And well, I mean, it, it's hard to really uh, refute that. I mean, compared to say Mercedes and, and Red Bull, the team that uh, that they are the the two teams that they've been uh, competitors against in in recent history. For me, Ferrari's uh, strategy and and a lot of the decisions that they've made have been substandard compared to those uh, you know the 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 other two. And I mean, sometimes it just uh, makes you kind of uh, scratch uh, scratch your head. Anyways, uh, Seb had to say, "Quote: uh, 
Uh, I think we are trying to do uh, everything we can. It is never relaxed if things don't go your way or they go wrong. Naturally, if you judge the emotions right after the race or during the race, I don't think there's a, a fair reflection of what is going on, hence why I tend to disagree. I didn't have a great race and we tried to come back up and could have opted for a different strategy, but we didn't. So we've talked about it, sorted it out and moved on. There is not much different in terms of climate compared to the week before or the week uh, before that, end quote. I mean, he's putting the best uh, face, uh, the, the, the best angle on it uh, publicly, and you really aren't served uh, by, by airing all that stuff uh, in, in public anyways. All right, uh, time for another break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. I'll be back in just a moment. All right. Well, welcome back uh, to the to the show. And sticking with uh, Sebastian Vettel, and uh, just uh, going back to what we were talking about uh, before the break, uh, the, the the quote uh, that he was referring to that uh, Ferrari's uh, strategy last week at uh, the 70th anniversary Grand Prix that uh, quote didn't make any sense. End quote. I'm using the inverted uh, comments uh, here. Uh, so, so this is what uh, led to the speculation that, uh, that you know that there is increasing tension between between himself and the team. Anyways, he told uh, Sky F1, quote, we spoke this morning that there's no uh, point pitting, knowing that we will run into traffic, and that's exactly what we did. We went also on the hard tire, which we then only had on for roughly 10 laps, probably not even that, so it didn't make any sense. I mean, why would you put the hard on for 10 laps and then put the medium on for 20 laps? I was running out of tires towards the end, so we spoke exactly that. I guess it's not the best work we could have done today, end quote. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, th- I think that, uh, you know, th- that is a fair comment. I, I mean, I mean, if you look at how everybody was uh, struggling on, uh, you know, on the on the medium tires, they just had no life in them. They really did not last uh, you know, very long. And especially, I know uh, hindsight is uh, twenty twenty, but uh, you know, when you look at it, why would you like? I, I think that is a valid question considering what was going on. Why would you run the hards for ten and then put the the the, the mediums on for twenty? That that doesn't make any sense uh, either. But I mean, it doesn't seem to, to you know whatever they're doing right now. Um, that you know, they, they just have gotten to this real rut. They're they're just in this nasty nasty funk, and they just can't get out of it. And it must be so demoralizing and, and frustrating for for Sebastian Vettel. I mean, he sounds a little bit to defeat us, but at the same time, realistic, and I think uh, very aware of the situation that's uh, that that's going on. And I think ultimately, he's resigned to the fact that um, that he's just going to have to work through it. And there just doesn't seem to be very much, uh, or perhaps nothing at all, that he can do to help uh, rectifying the, uh, the 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 situation. And I guess he's uh, hoping that at some point uh, his um, you know his, his his luck is going to change. Anyways, uh, Matteo Bonato, uh, Ferrari's uh, team principal, actually called Sebastian out uh, after he had the, the first lap uh, spin at, uh, at Silverstone last weekend, uh, saying that uh, they, you know, that that spin they had uh, actually hurt his race more than the the, the team's uh, strategy. Anyways, uh, Bonato told uh, Sky Sport Italia after a quote, "I don't think Sebastian has lost faith. He is going through a difficult time in qualifying in the last two races where he hasn't found confidence in the car." Here he spun putting his wheels on the curb and his race was uphill. I honestly think there's little to say about strategies. We were early perhaps by a few laps uh, with the call that made him lose uh, the position to Kimi Raikkonen. However, we knew he would uh, recover without losing time. 
It allowed uh, Charles Leclerc to continue to his comeback. Overall, it was the right choice for the team, and we didn't think we penalized Sebastian. He regained the position immediately on Kimi, and he wouldn't have been able to do an overcut on Danny Kvyat because he was going as fast as he was at the time, and then he undercut uh, Carlos Sainz. His race was, co- race was compromised at the start, and I think uh, that was the key, not the tra- strategy chosen, end quote. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, th- I think it is fair for Sebastian to, uh, you know, make, uh, you know, put the question out there, you know, why run the, the, the hards for such a short amount of time and then run the mediums for so well long. But the the other side to that coin is I, I think that uh, Bonato is equally justified in, uh, in you know, the statement that uh, he's staying, uh, you know, spinning on the first corner of the first lap uh, like like he did. I mean, he just lost it getting, getting up on the curb. I mean, he was pinched a little bit. I mean, he couldn't have moved uh, further over to the left. I, I don't remember who he was uh, beside. I think it might have been one of the Renaults. I would obviously have to go back and look at the replay, but I do know that uh, th- there was not much uh, room for him. I mean, he just got up on the curb and uh, just um, he, he spun out and lost it. And uh, unfortunately uh, for, for him, I mean, well, fortunately for him, he didn't go into the gravel. He didn't go into the tires. He didn't damage the car, but unfortunately... By the time uh, he got the car back under control, he was dead last in the pack. So he had uh, a fair amount of space and and uh, track, uh, you know, gap on the track to the car in front of him to make up. So it uh, it was difficult, and certainly, I, I think to to lay the blame all on the strategy. Probably not, uh, you know, a hundred percent fair, but also, uh, you know, maybe not a hundred percent fair to throw all the blame at Sebastian either. I think it was a combination of uh, both uh, that just uh, really, I think, uh, you know, really added up in, in the in the final uh, factor, the the final, uh, you know, uh, score if you want to call it that. That uh, just made it a really really miserable weekend uh, for for Sebastian. The the cherry on that very miserable and frustrating cake. Anyways, uh, Seb is actually going to get a new chassis uh, this weekend after the, the the team actually found a problem. They they said it was a small fault uh, on his car after uh, that that he put uh, picked up after uh, the the race at Silverstone after hitting a, a curb. Anyways, uh, they have confirmed that they're going to change uh, the the chassis before the Spanish Grand Prix. And uh, 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 Bernardo had to say, "quote uh, Sebastian will have a new chassis because after the Silverstone post race analysis, we spotted a small fault caused by a heavy impact over a curb." Uh, uh, it was uh, not much uh, had uh, an effect on performance, uh, but it was the logical decision to take. Uh, oh, pardon me, that uh, that was a uh, head of engineering, uh, chassis engineering, uh, Simone Resta, and uh, not uh, Mattia Bonato. So apologies uh, for that. Anyways, tough, tough, uh, you know, a couple of weeks, season, and obviously uh, probably a lot more than that to, uh, for, for Sebastian. I mean, he's uh, been slowly going downhill for, for some time. I think that uh, just uh, even the change of scenery, even if, uh, you know, he ends up, uh, you know, out of Formula One next year and takes uh, the, the one year off, probably not a bad thing for him if he can come back, uh, you know, stronger than, than, than ever. Can't be a fun place uh, to, to be right now if you're Sebastian Vettel. Anyways, uh, moving over to Aston Martin, uh, the guy that uh, Seb uh, reportedly might uh, replace, uh, Sergio Perez, uh, says that uh, he believes that it's only a matter of time now before these rumors about uh, Seb getting his uh, his seat at Racing Point or Aston Martin uh, next year are going away. And he says that he feels actually quite uh, secure and quite happy about uh, his uh, future with, with, with the team. Uh, th- this is a little bit uh, different, uh, of course, than the, the, the statement uh, that uh, Checo made a couple of weeks 
weeks ago saying that if uh, Seb was going to come into Aston Martin next year, it would be, quote, uh, obvious, end quote, who he would replace in the team. And <laughs> I think Perez is obviously very aware of that. Um, anyways, uh, just before this, uh, the, the, you know, the, the, you know, uh, practice, uh, this week, uh, Perez, uh, said that he's actually very confident about his, uh, future with Racing Point slash Aston Martin. And yeah, he really feels that the, that these, uh, Vettel rumors are going to, you know, just disappear and, and go away. Anyways, uh, Checo had to say, quote, with the rumors of uh, Sebastian, I think there's nothing I can do. What I've heard from the team is that uh, we all want to keep going to continue. So I believe it is just a matter of time before these rumors go away. Um, anyways, uh, I, I don't think there's anything uh, more to, to, to that. I mean, um, uh, Sebastian even said a couple of weeks ago that uh, that he'd had some uh, some preliminary talks uh, with uh, Racing Point. And I, I, I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean... I think that, uh, that that Vettel has um, something left to, to offer in, in Formula One. I, I think he just needs that change of scenery. I think he just needs to get away and put some uh, miles between himself and Ferrari and just get into a, a new situation somewhere fresh uh, and, and just uh, restart his uh, career there if uh, if that's what he wants to do and if that's going to happen. Uh, that, that is a completely different uh, situation. We don't know the, 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 the extent of the uh, of the talk that he had uh, with uh, Racing Point slash uh, Aston Martin. But I, I mean, it, it is a funny, funny, weird sport. I mean, a couple of months ago, we were sitting here talking about, well, it's more than a couple of months ago, probably six months ago now. Uh, we were talking about uh, that uh, a lot of the stories coming out. Uh, and, you know, I, I'd heard this uh, from from other people within the media that's, that it seemed that it was all pointing towards the, the or all signs were pointing towards that Seb was going to sign a new contract uh, at Ferrari and obviously that uh, that didn't happen and it's come out uh, that um, the, the situation behind clo- uh, closed doors was actually quite the opposite uh, to what was uh, being reported at the time that uh, that Sebastian and uh, Ferrari signing a, a new deal to keep in a, at Maranello for at least another year in 2021 were in fact uh, you know baseless and ground uh, groundless. Anyways, uh, sticking with the racing point and uh, Sergio Perez, uh, Checo is going to be back in the seat of his car after uh, passing uh, a COVID-19 test uh, this week, and he's uh, negative, so he was uh, ruled out uh, for the the British Grand Prix two weeks ago after uh, he had an inconclusive. And and then a positive COVID-19 test. And then uh, he tested positive again, uh, just uh, ahead of the, the the second race at Silverstone last weekend. Anyways, uh, so that meant uh, that Nico Hulkenberg, uh, uh, you know, f- uh, filled in for him for the, uh, uh, the, you know, for for both of those uh, two weekends, and did a, a great job, uh, obviously. But uh, anyways, um, uh, Racing Point uh, announced at the, the the media day on Thursday at uh, circa at Barcelona that uh, Perez had actually tested negative for for COVID-19 and that means that he's actually uh, you know back in the running to get into his car and and race this uh, weekend uh, which is uh, absolutely uh, wonderful good to hear and um, but he said that if uh, Sergio was not cleared it was uh, had not uh, had a a negative COVID test that uh, Hulkenberg uh, would actually have been uh, the guy to replace him for uh, another weekend so good to see that he's back Uh, it's it's nice to to hear and it's also good to to know that uh, he didn't get uh, sick 
Anyways, uh, Perez, um, he, he's actually lashed out uh, that, uh, you know, about this uh, Mexico trip uh, that he had uh, a couple of weeks ago, just uh, before the, or, or just after the Hungarian Grand Prix. And uh, he actually uh, was quite strong in his uh, words, saying that uh, a lot of these uh, reports uh, that uh, that he met with a sponsor and fans uh, in, in Mexico when, uh, when when he went back there, calling them bullshit. Anyways, uh, you know, uh, quite, uh, quite strong. Um, anyways, uh, he, he said that, uh, you know, b- because of these, uh, you know, the, the, the positive tests that uh, they had a couple of weeks ago, there were these, you know, reports and sources and all these uh, things that, uh, you know, that are, are never confirmed and, you know, or I, I think the the media or social media equivalent of uh, you know speculation and rumors, and he was uh, very very frustrated about it. Uh, he said um, at, at Barcelona on Thursday, he said it was uh, very unprofessional. He said, "quote It's a total lie. I went to Mexico for two days to see my mom with all the precautions in place. I took care of everything. I followed all of the guidelines." When I was in quarantine, I saw everything. I saw people saying I was taking selfies with a lot of people, and I made up the story about my mom. So much bullshit and so disrespectful. So many people here in Formula One tend to think we are bulletproof to the virus, and that is not the case. We are all very vulnerable to this. We all have to take care of it. I have not done anything differently to anyone in this paddock. I took all the precautions, and it's just happened to me. It happened to another friend and another team while I was in quarantine. He said, look, I tested positive too. It can happen to anyone. Uh, but what uh, kind of happened if uh, tomorrow there's uh, someone else infected? People just uh, make up stories instead of being worried about their health, end quote. So interesting. I mean, uh, you know, he's uh, pretty much, uh, you know, been pretty strong in those words about uh, what actually happened. And uh, well... Doesn't get any uh, stronger than that. Uh, anyways, uh, the FAA has uh, decided to uh, review formation lap uh, radio rules, um, uh, uh, which basically what happened uh, to the penalties that uh, Haas uh, got uh, before the, the the Hungarian Grand Prix. Um, anyways, this is just um, uh, a restriction that actually goes back to the the technical directive that they uh, issued back in 2017. Which uh, basically said that the the drivers have to drive the car alone and unaided. That's that that that's basically the quote, and uh, that was uh, basically uh, uh, an attempt or you know, what what they wanted to do to eliminate any kind of coaching from the pit wall or anywhere that might give the 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 the, the driver some sort of. Um, advantage in, in in starts or any anything like that and uh, and uh, basically the only uh, radio messages that uh, that are, uh, are are allowed are for safety and and things like that so uh that'll be interesting uh, to see what uh, what what happens i mean uh, both uh, the the Haas cars uh, received 10 second uh, penalties uh, because uh what happened was uh, both of them uh, discussed uh, a tire change on the formation lap and they came in at the end of the 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 uh, the, the formation lap to switch from intermediates to uh, slick tires and start from uh, the, the pit lane. It seemed like a, a bit of a gutsy move, but uh, they were found to, to be uh, you know, in uh, transgression of the rules there. Anyways, uh, Formula One has also um, ruled that uh, qualifying engine modes uh, are going to be uh, set uh, for a ban after the, the, the Spanish Grand Prix. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it, it's a restriction on these engine modes, uh, or the qualifying engine modes that are 
going to be uh, put in place uh, for for the Belgian Grand Prix in a couple of weeks. And this is an attempt to, to kind of pull back uh, the, the teams that have uh, Mercedes uh, power that uh, make, uh, they, they get the biggest uh, gains from these engine modes in, in qualifying. So it's just uh, an attempt uh, to try and, and uh, limit or even the, the, the field. Anyways, uh, Lewis, uh, Lewis Hamilton says that this engine mode band is actually not going to give them the, the, the result uh, that they want. And uh, when he was asked about it uh, at the media day at the Spanish Grand Prix, he just said, no, quote, no. And just going back uh, to the fact that at the end of the day, the guys in our team have done such a great job with the engine. It's obviously to slow us down, but I don't think it's going to get the result that they want. So that's totally fine if they do, end quote. So we'll, we have to see if that, that's going to make a difference. So, so keep uh, your your eyes open uh, for, for that uh, at the Spanish Grand Prix uh, this weekend. Anyways, uh, time for a final break here on the show. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. Got to rush through the last uh, number of things that uh, that I want to get uh, uh, you know, talk about uh, before we shut it down. So the FIA, uh, they're also cutting down on corner cutting at uh, at Barcelona this uh, weekend. Uh, and this is, uh, they've tried to prevent uh, drivers in the past by, by gaining advantage uh, by cutting the corner at turn two. And uh, they, they've done that uh, by putting a, a bollard in the runoff area for, for last year's uh, race. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's, uh, it, it's a good idea. So uh, race director uh, Michael Massey has uh, issued a new guidance uh, to, to the drivers. He did that on Thursday and he had to say, quote, uh, each time uh, any car fails to negotiate turn two by using the track, teams will be informed via the official messaging system. On the second occasion of a driver failing to negotiate turn two by using the track during the race, he will be shown a black and white flag. Any further cutting will be then reported to the stewards. In all cases, the driver must only rejoin the track when it's safe to do so and without gaining a lasting advantage. The above requirements will not automatically apply to any driver who's judged to have been forced off the track, as each such case will be judged individually. So there you go. Also for the Spanish Grand Prix this uh, week, uh, Stoffel Van Dorn is going to uh, rejoin McLaren as the reserve driver for this uh, week. Uh, I mean, he's been in Formula E for the past couple of years. Uh, Obviously, he started, uh, well, I mean, his uh, Formula One career uh, had him at McLaren uh, during their nadir, their low points uh, with the, the the Honda power. Although he did uh, very good uh, filling in for um, uh, Fernando Alonso a couple of years ago after the the Spaniard had that uh, huge crash at uh, Melbourne, and then um, uh, Van Dorn came in, raced at Bahrain, and uh, brought home a single point in P10 on his debut. So uh, very good. Anyways, uh, sticking with McLaren, Andreas Seidel says that uh, the Formula One teams will have to treat uh, what he calls the logistical. Uh, challenge of the Spanish Grand Prix in a very similar way to they did in Hungary because uh, of the, the the concern and rise of COVID-19 cases in, in Catalonia. Anyways, um, uh, Seidel told, uh, told uh, motorsport.com, quote, in the end, it's going to be pretty much the same as for Hungary. There will be two places where we will be as a team in Barcelona, which is a nice Hilton hotel and the racetrack in Barcelona. We will aim to stay in our bubble following all the measures in terms of social distancing and hygiene together with this with uh, this rigorous testing we are doing i think we have everything in place to have another safe formula one event uh, and i hope so because uh, we're seeing surges and increases in cases around the globe and uh, certainly we don't want to see that happen in formula one or anywhere else for that uh, matter anyways uh, racing point has decided to appeal 
the penalty that they received from the FAA over their brake duct uh, design, and uh, they are going to take uh, their case to the International Court of Appeal. So Racing Point uh, was uh, slapped with a 15-point penalty uh, in the Constructors' Championship and fined, get this, guys, 400,000 euros after they were found to have copied the the design of a Mercedes 2019 brake ducts for their 2020 car, the RP20. So uh, Racing Point, they've been adamant and uh, and stated throughout the entire issue that they had done nothing wrong and uh, they notified the FAA to uh, appeal the penalty uh, last uh, Saturday. So uh, this this one is uh, is not over yet. And uh, some of the teams, uh, uh, William has has pulled out of uh, uh, their. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, you know their their protest. They said that uh, their most fundamental concern uh, about uh, F one car copying had been uh, addressed. Um, uh, 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 sorry, uh, McLaren has also withdrawn uh, their uh, uh, F one. Uh, sorry, uh, the Racing Point F one uh, appeal as well. And uh, it's interesting though. Um, McLaren says that uh, that there's no uh, no bad blood between them and Mercedes over the the, the whole Racing Point uh, issue and. Uh, well, I mean, that that is an interesting one in itself uh, because, um, you know, uh, uh, McLaren are in their last year with Renault Power. They're switching over to uh, or switching back to Mercedes uh, for for next year. Um, anyways, uh, Andrea Seidel, team principal, um, has said uh, that uh, there's no bad blood, to, uh, bad blood between McLaren and Mercedes. Uh, he said that they have a great relationship uh, with uh, Total Wolf, uh, with uh, the, the, the the company and the the, the guys at the uh, the, the Bricksworth uh, factory that uh, that are preparing for for next uh, season so I mean, at the the end of the year, at the end of the day, I, I think obviously the, the the big issue is just uh, you know in terms of fairness, did uh, Racing Point uh, do something right? Did they do something wrong? And it, it, it's a funny one. It's I, I kind of go uh, back and forth on, on the issue. And it's it's funny. I mean, whenever there seems to be a concept that is uh, proven to work in Formula One, everybody seems to to, to use it uh, as inspiration. <laughs> I think that's a the nicer way to put it than saying that uh, they outright uh, copy each other. But I I don't think that is uh, you know something that uh, you know uh, is. Uh, I mean, it's it's happened in the past. I mean, Ross Braun uh, said that, and I mean, he he would know. I mean, uh, he was there. I mean, he was at the top of uh, F1, and I mean, I'm sure a lot of the concepts that they had on those great Ferrari cars in the early 2000s uh, were were probably copied, and uh, you know, used uh, by by other teams uh, as well. It's just that Ferrari were just uh, that much uh, better. So I, I don't know. I, I mean. It's uh, if it's proven that they were, you know, actually went out to, and 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 used Mercedes source material, that they cheated somehow. Fair enough, but it is a, it is something that just isn't going away. I mean, Red Bull boss Christian Horner said that uh, Mercedes could actually be a, a guilty party to this whole brake duct uh, case, uh, which is uh, you know you know in this whole appeal process. Um, you know, it, it 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 is funny. I mean, it's just uh, everything that's uh, going on. Um, he said that, uh, quote, uh, it's an interesting one. I think the biggest thing for us is, uh, is that, uh, we just want absolute clarity as to what is and what isn't permissible moving forwards. Obviously Red Bull are in the u- uh, unique position that they own 100% of two Grand Prix teams. So we've always compi- uh, compiled, uh, stringently, uh, with the regulations since the constructor rules within the last Concord were made very, very clear. So for us, uh, there's a bigger picture to this. It's not just about brake ducts. It's about what, uh, phil- phil- 
philosophically allowed and what isn't. Uh, regarding Mercedes, I'm sure those questions will get asked uh, because if the team in question are guilty of receiving, surely the team that is uh, provided has also been in breach of those regulations. That's something for the FAA, end quote. So who knows? It, it is uh, certainly uh, one that uh, that uh, is not going away anytime soon. Anyways, uh, Ferrari, they had to weigh in. They said that uh, the, the whole controversy with the racing point and their copy of the you know the, the Mercedes brake ducts is uh, what they call uh, you know similar to copying a test and uh, I guess that's uh, that's one way uh, you know to, to, to put it uh, and that uh, from this uh, you know that that was from the mouth of uh, Matteo Bonato who told uh, Sky Sports Italia quote as Ferrari we've already talked about the racing point case on Friday we've already said what we think there have been protests and the, there was the first verdict uh, that uh, uh, that said what racing point point did is illegal that is a starting point stroll and wolf may be furious but there has been a violation of the regulations here this is like copying a test there are those who copy the test and those who pass the test to have others copy it i don't think there's anything to add to that the facts are obvious we are opponents and this is normal everyone looks at their own interest end quote so Lots of uh, interesting things still going on, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see what happens uh, with this uh, appeal. Anyways, Russian Grand Prix coming up in a couple of months at uh, the end of uh, September on the 25th, in fact, 42 days away at this uh, point in time. And they're actually targeting allowing up to 30,000 F1 fans in the stands to attend the race there at Sochi uh, Autodrome. Uh, and that would uh, actually give them about uh, 50% uh, capacity. So that uh, is uh, intriguing, to say the least, uh, to whether or not this is actually going to go. Uh, but uh, the director of the, the Russian Grand Prix uh, promoter, uh, Rosgonsky, uh, told motorsport.com, uh, a quote, uh, now they're uh, slowly resuming, taking into account the government's uh, announcement that the race will take place with our recent announcement of the entertainment program. It is probably premature to talk about the current number of sold tickets, but the picture is more clear about general restrictions due to coronavirus situation. At the moment, we are discussing the figure of uh, 50% of the total capacity of the Olympic Park, that is our stands and the Olympic Park as a whole. This will mean that the maximum number of fans will be no more than 30 to 32,000, end quote. Well, that'll be fascinating to uh, see if it actually comes off. I mean, uh, they have uh, quietly been hinting at it uh, that uh, perhaps we could see people back in the stands at some point in in the fall. And, you know, I I really don't know what to to make of this. just the whole pandemic situation in general and the case counts and people testing positive and, you know, the, the things that you hear and the things that you see, you know, say, I don't know. I know it's not good, but it's just, it seems strange and it seems counterintuitive that with everything else going on, that uh, that they would be able to get uh, you know you know thirty thousand people into the stands uh, at Sochi and 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 do it safely and uh, I, I hope that it uh, that it happens. I mean, for me, I don't think that the races have lacked or missed anything without uh, fans so far. I mean, I, I think uh, pretty much uh, like the, the the rest of you, I've just uh, been happy and grateful to have uh, Formula One uh, racing uh, the, this year. But um, certainly, I think it would add something if people were allowed back in. 
but there's so many other things going out there, uh, you know, going on as, uh, out in the world there to, you know, before that can happen. And that obviously needs to be, uh, you know, sorted out uh, before any of this uh, can happen, getting people back into the stands. Anyways, uh, Chase uh, Carey, the Formula One CEO, says that uh, he's very close to finalizing the 2021 uh, World Championship calendar. And he says it's going to look uh, pretty much like a normal season. And then the the, the final uh, version of uh, what uh, we're seeing this year. Uh, anyways, uh, Chase had to say, quote, we haven't announced 2021 just because the focus is on 2020. But we're qu- pretty close to finalizing 2021. We've got a couple of agreements to complete where we have uh, agreed, uh, where we have the business terms agreed and we've got to, to paper it. There's been no impact on that. There are obviously discussions that uh, would have begun well before the virus and that certainly not had any negative impact and i think in some ways it is a the importance of getting back to the world as we know it and re-energizing the conversation and interest uh, we have not seen any negative given our calendar for 2021 we are planning a 2021 season that looks pretty much like what we would have expected to look like at the beginning of this year and then obviously we qualify that with we don't have any better visibility than anyone else as to what this virus is going to look like as we go forward i do think uh, one has to realize that we're about five months into the virus and our season in March would still be seven months away. So there's a long time and conversation on vaccines and treatments and testing and the like will obviously continue to evolve. We obviously race in 22 countries, so we deal with a much bigger mixed bag of issues throughout this, but we are planning on a 2021 that looks like what we would expect, which would probably be a 22 race calendar, end quote. Well, yeah, I mean, like he says, I mean, the, the, the whole pandemic and the whole COVID situation evolves and uh, changes uh, rapidly each and every day and week and month. And who knows uh, what's going to, to, to happen uh, down the road. Anyways, uh, sticking with uh, Chase, uh, he actually uh, says that uh, he believes that uh, the, the business is actually going to bounce back in, in, in 2021. And, uh, you know, they, they just announced that they only had revenues of $24 million uh, from uh, April to June compared to $620 million for the same uh, period in 2019. And obviously the, the, the big one of that is because there was no races that uh, took place uh, during that uh, whole uh, global uh, lockdown. Anyways, uh, Carrie had to say, quote, in reality, if you go back uh, at the beginning of this year, I feel we were actually pretty much on the, the track that we had laid out three years ago. We have been clear we were expecting 2020 to be another significant step forward and 2021 to continue to be a further step forward. So we are very much on a trajectory to moving and that wasn't going to be in 12 months, but moving to uh, delivering the type of growth that got us to a place. I think uh, we felt at the beginning of this year, we were on a good track and we've got a pretty good predictable business model. So uh, excluding the virus, we're pretty much moving to deliver the type of long-term growth that we had talked about. Obviously, the virus turned all of it on his head. At this point, we're planning on 2021 that is probably not quite, but pretty close to the 2021 we would have planned. Now, planning anything in the virus year has obviously got complexities because we don't know what we are going to, to be in issues in terms of limitations on fan attendance. One thing we do believe is that the world is uh, to start to, to function in ways we know uh, Though the world. We do believe 2021 can be pretty close to uh, being back on the curve or on the slope that we had planned for the business. End quote. So there you go. Uh, a positive uh, to year. Certainly hope uh, that it comes off. And obviously, like everybody else, I just hope that the 
coronavirus and COVID uh, just goes away. And uh, although that's uh, obviously wishful thinking, I hope that at least, uh, you know, ASAP, we have a treatment or a vaccine and we can just get back to normal because this has sucked. Anyways, what doesn't suck is the fact that we have a Grand Prix to look forward to this weekend. And uh, just before we go, just going to run down uh, the, the, some of the the, uh, the, the facts at uh, Barcelona. It is a uh, 4.655 kilometer long track. That's 2.892 miles, 66 laps, which gives us a race distance of 307.1 kilometers or 190.825 miles. Last year, we had an attendance of 160,000 people there. Uh, Valtteri Bottas was on pole last year. Lewis Hamilton, fastest lap of a, of the race, a 118.492. And the podium, here we go. I knew I had it in my notes uh, somewhere. Lewis Hamilton won the uh, race. Uh, Valtteri Bottas was second uh, for Mercedes. And then Max Verstappen came home in third. So there you go. Looking forward to this one, like I said, and uh, hope to be back this weekend with a a post-race review. And until then, enjoy the weekend, enjoy the race. If you want to get in touch, by all means, tweet me at ScuderiaF1Pod on the Twitters or email me at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. That's it. That's a wrap. Thanks for downloading and listening. Talk to you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.